All right, so we're going to be reading out of Mark chapter 9, uh, verses 14 through 29. It says, When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law arguing with them. And as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. <clears throat> you unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him and violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this, can, this kind can only come out only by prayer. And we're going to read from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Will you pray for Pastor Mike with me? Dear Lord, um, as we read your scripture today, I thank you for being a loving and just God um, through the midst of our unbelief and, and doubt at times, you still come through. And so um, as Pastor Mike comes up here to talk about, um, I pray that you, you bless us and bless his words that in, in our times of doubt, you may help us to stay faithful and pray before the breakthrough. Um, please bless the words from Pastor Mike today. Amen. Since August, we have uh, been encouraging you to uh, embed a little scripture in your mind every month, and we've been prescribing uh, verses to you. Last uh, week, we began our worship service uh, in here by going through the four that you've ingested already and put in your uh, uh, spiritual life. And today, we offer a uh, fifth one to you. It comes from Romans chapter 8. This is your memory verse for uh, uh, this month and through the next. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verses uh, verse 20. Uh, eight. I think it's going to pop up on the screen. And this verse takes a little bit of instruction because I want you to see and hear what happens after the comma. So many people say, well, all things work together for good. That's not what the scripture says. It all thing, things work together for those who love God, who have been called 
according to his purpose. So understand that that's part of this, and, and I want you to, to uh, uh, it'll help you grow your faith if you, if you understand that context. So um, let's read it through a couple times. I'll lead you through the first time, and then we'll just do it together. So join with me if you would. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Let's read it again. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, <clears throat> the, those of you that are new uh, here, or this is your first time in, first in, in Marian Methodist, next week when you come, there'll be some blanks in there where we take some words out because we try to want to really grind these in our hearts because we think when we have a, a, a treasure uh, chest full of scriptures that are embedded in our heart, you know, when stuff comes up against us, uh, we have some resources. Uh, we have some arrows in our quiver with which to fight uh, that which comes against us. So today, we begin a series called The Emotional Roller Coaster. We do five weeks of our emotional roller coaster. I don't know if you're on Facebook, but, you know, I am 996,800 views from becoming viral. <laughs> Takes a million, I guess. There's a couple, uh, 3,000 people that kind of watch the, prim- the primer for this this particular talk, so um, I hope that God blesses it in the way that you need it blessed. But, you know, our lives are on an emotional roller coaster. One of the ways as a church we're on a little bit of an emotional roller coaster. Um, late late uh, September, uh, early October, we came in, I came in this space, and I announced to you that, hey, we've got the, new ch- the old church almost sold, and today I'm going to tell you, hey, the sale fell through. And that's the way it goes sometimes, you know. We're back to phase one. You know, we're carrying that around on our back, but it'll work out. And, and then this morning we came in and, and our decorations team made this emotional roller coaster. And I, I kind of actually liked the way it turned out for this particular series because there was a roller coaster that went from down here up over here. There's a, a purple cart back there that fell down. And it fell down since yesterday morning till today. And I'm like, bang, that's perfect. Because isn't that how life is? You know, we're starting up the hill in life sometimes. And we have no idea how it's going to end. We have no idea what's going to come next. So, so this series is, is for us. You know, we, we would love to, as Christians, to say the trajectory of our spiritual life is like this. You know, we're going, we start down here when we first encounter Christ, and it just keeps growing, and we pleasantly get deeper into it and higher in our faith. But then life happens. This, that, and the other thing. Greet us. And in reality, our spiritual life is like this. At least mine is. And if you're on that roller coaster, which most of us are in life, for your encouragement and your comfort, this series is for you. And it begins with this. Christians can have doubts. Repeat after me. Christians can have doubts. Let that sink into your soul because so often times we think that, well, gosh, if you're a Christian and you doubt anything that, that a preacher or the Bible or something else says, that that's a horrible thing. But Christians can have doubts. If yours is an examined faith, that means if you look at it, if you dig deep into it and you seek to verify it and scrutinize it and, and really test your faith, like Simon said a few moments ago, we should be unafraid to doubt. If, if your faith is an examined faith, you should be unafraid to doubt because if your doubt is eventually justified, we were believing the wrong thing and our belief was not ju- justified. But, but, but if our doubt is answered, if you pursue your doubt to its logical conclusion, our faith has grown stronger 
And we come to know God more certainly, more completely, and more deeply. Thoreau once wrote, If I could not doubt, I should not believe. If I could not doubt, I should not believe. Now, I'm going to quote a number of the greats today. Because a number of the greats in our faith walk had huge doubts. For instance, some of you came up in a Lutheran church. All of us here today are part of the Protestant Reformation, kind of launched by Martin Luther. Martin Luther had such profound doubts about his own salvation that at one point in his life, after he was a priest, he was so shaken by those doubts and depressed by them that he sat in his room for three days, as he says, shaking like a a leaf in the wind. There's a Polish saying that Christians in Poland say, to believe with certainty, we must start with doubt. We must start with doubt. So a few good words about doubt. Hear this. The roller coaster that takes you to doubt can be, not always, but it can be a good thing. It can be a good thing. So let's take a couple minutes look at the nature of Christian doubt. <clears throat> doubt is not the opposite of faith. Okay, hear that. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. When you say, I absolutely don't believe, that's the opposite of faith. Unbelief is the refusal to believe, the refusal to even look into the fact that our our faith. Doubt refers to this inner uncertainty that you are pursuing something to find out whether it's true or not true. It's part of this inner uncertainty that say, there are things in that I am, am led to believe or things that I'm being asked to believe that need to be clarified to me. They need to be sorted out for me. I need to make clear that they are really the thing that adds something to stand on. So, so, so doubt is not the opposite of, of faith, nor, well, I'm going to say it in the negative, doubt is not unforgivable. In the positive, doubt is forgivable. Hear that. God does not condemn those who question him. Throughout the whole testaments of Old and New, New Testament, God does not condemn those who question him. All right, Pope Francis, you've heard of him, right? If we took a poll, I think we'd say that he's a Christian. The current standing Pope of the Roman Catholic Church. This is what he wrote In 2018, that's not that long ago. Doubt is part of our faith journey. The great leaders of the faith have always left room for doubt. We must leave room for the Lord and not let our certainties take over everything. We need to leave room for the Lord to work, and some of that is in our doubt, according to our current pope. The men of renown, men like Job and David and others, repeatedly questioned God, and they were not condemned. Because God is big enough to handle all of our doubts and questions. God can take anything we throw at him. God is big enough to handle any doubt that you have, any question, and not, not, you know, he doesn't cower because we doubt his existence. Struggling with God does not mean a person lacks faith. Actually, I'm going to contend that it means quite opposite most of our struggles come within the relationships in life that greatly matter to us you know I I never go home and say to Teresa you know I can't sleep I can't eat I can't drink I can't think straightly because of that checkout guy on aisle four my relationship with him is breaking down 
that, that's not how we do it, right? When we struggle within our relationships, when we're, when we're gutted, when, when, we're, when we're really hurting inside because of a relationship, it's because of a relationship that's really close to us, that, that's really important to us. So when, when, when we struggle with God, doesn't mean we lack faith. Teresa of Calcutta, you might know her as Mother Teresa, in her journal, wrote of not hearing from God. She wrote a lot of things, but at one point she wrote this. Darkness is such that I do not see, neither with my mind nor with my reason, the place of God in my soul is blank. There is no God in me. When the painting of longing is so great, I just long and long for God. Now, this is one who gave her life for the Lord. And yet, residential in her were some profound doubts, some difficulties. The Christian Greeks say this, the wise are, are prone to doubt. We, we lean into doubt. It's likely we'll doubt. And struggling with good is with God is a sure sign that we believe. See, I, I believe that. When I start doubting some of the things that God is testing me with or, or put in front of me, that's a sure sign that I believe because if I didn't believe, I could just walk away from it. But I struggle with it. If you never struggle in faith, hear this. If you never struggle in faith, it's likely that your faith has not and will not grow. If you haven't struggled in faith, you're the only one in here and we all want to meet you because it's just not normal. Faith is examined in the midst of life. <laughs> and life is sometimes wonderful and sometimes an absolute mudstorm. So we struggle. And, so let me turn this. It matters what we do with our doubts. It's what you do with your doubts that really matters. Doubt can be absolutely dangerous. Unexamined, unchallenged doubts can lead us away from the faith. I have a friend here in town whose name was John. He was a very, very committed church person, a person that came to church a lot. He had some faith, but after a while, his doubts got the best of him. And he asked me, I, I talked to him one day, and I said, John, how, how's your church going, blah, blah, blah. And he says, i got to tell you, Pastor, my doubt led me away from church. I said to him, well, what did you do to challenge your doubt? What did you look into? What did you investigate? He says, I didn't do anything. I just had so much doubt, I just walked away and haven't looked back. So doubt can be very dangerous. Doubts unexamined and unchallenged can lead us to a place that is not healthful for us, but doubts examined and doubts challenged can lead us to a deeper relationship with God. So let's consider this. I'm going to take the balance of my time here this morning to talk, talk, talk with you through some steps towards God through our doubts. So I'm going to look at five steps <coughs> towards God through our doubts. Now, these are mine. These aren't everybody's, but I want to share with you a few of these. We start with this. Admit your doubts and ask for help. Admit your doubts and ask for help. John Calvin, again, one of the great reformers, one of the people that was certain in his faith, wrote this. We teach that faith ought to be certain and assured. And we cannot imagine any certainty that is not tinged with doubt or any assurance 
that is not assailed by some anxiety, which is to say, if you think, you doubt, and if you doubt, you're thinking. Doubt is a necessary part of the faith experience. I mean, if you don't have any doubts, you don't have any belief. If you don't challenge those doubts, you don't grow into it. Look what the father of this child says when when he comes to Jesus. He brings this child to Jesus, and, and he wants Jesus to heal him. It's not like Jesus is the only person he went to. If you've got a sick kid, and some of us have sick kids, you might believe what one doctor says, but if they says, we can't heal this kid, you're going to 10 more, aren't you? Until you find a pathway. And this guy, I'm sure, is not coming to Jesus as the first and only healer available, but what he does is he says to Jesus, if you can, if you can help my kid, (laughs) Jesus says, if I can. And then the man says, Help me overcome my unbelief before the child is healed. He says, if you can help me, if you can help my boy, help him. And Jesus says, if I can, I can and I will. Help me overcome my belief. And then when the boy is healed, the disciples come to him and says, why couldn't we? And Jesus, in a very kind Jesus way, says, because you doubted too much. You didn't lean in. But now that you've asked, let me share with you. Secondly, and I want to caution you on this one, because the second one may be for a few of you and shouldn't be for all of you, okay? Sometimes we need to borrow some faith. We need to live our faith out vicariously through others, so be very careful here. This is a survival technique. This will not work for long, and this will not work for you forever. I have preached from this pulpit and others. You cannot have another person's faith. You can't assume daddy's faith into your heart. You can't say, my grandma was a Methodist, and therefore I'm a Methodist, and I believe in the Methodist things. You have to have your own faith. And, and. I have a friend named Mary, and she was like going through it in a divorce. I mean, there are no happy divorces, but this is one of those really, really hard, messy, difficult, everybody's losing everything kind of divorces. And I remember coming to talk. She came to talk to me. I was a young pastor then, way younger than I am now. And she says, Pastor Mike, I don't have enough faith to make it through this. And I was really, really wrong in my counsel. I assured her, oh, sure you do. God will walk you through it, and you'll be fine, and blah, blah. Because it didn't help her at all. What she did was she went to her grandma and she told her her grandma the very same thing she told her pastor. And this is what her grandma says. She said, Mary, why don't you borrow some of my faith? I have plenty to share. And a year later, Mary came back to me and says, Mike, I I know that you don't agree with me, but you know what? My grandma said I could borrow some of her faith and all I did was live her faith for a year and it got me by. It got me by till I could get through the worst of it and I could stand on my own. So sometimes, and please, you know, you can't live on this forever, but sometimes we need to find somebody with plenty of faith and for a bit borrow theirs. That, that might really be helpful to some of you. I'm not recommending that to all of you. And third, we need to act on our faith, not our doubts. When you read the scriptures, the men of renown acted on their faith, not their doubts. I mean, there's Noah out there building an ark, 
on a sunny day. There's Moses walking up to the Red Sea, holding his arms up. The thing splits through. Two million people, you know, that's more than the people in greater Kansas City, are going to walk right through that, that lake. You don't think at times when they were walking through the lake, they thought, I don't know if this thing will hold up. They had some doubts. David faced Goliath. And I'm sure he picked up those stones and he knew that God was with him and he started running his slingshot and he's looking at an eight and a half foot giant over there and I'm sure in the meantime he's saying, what if I miss? Right? He's a human being like us. So of course doubt was cleaving in it. You know, Joshua was told by God, hey, take your army, walk around Jericho seven times, seven days. And you got to remember, on the third day, those people in Jericho, they're throwing everything at them. What kind of parade is this? You're yelling, you're screaming, and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, Joshua, you got to think by day five, day six, he's thinking, (laughs) you know, we look pretty stupid out here, God. And yet the walls fell down. And this man had been everywhere with his kid. This kid that's got this brokenness of mind, this, this possessed demon. And he brought to him, and he brought him to Jesus. And here's the truth. We don't know how lives could end up. You know, if you're a person that says, hey, everything's going to work out, how in heaven's name do you know that? Because I've got some pretty big stuff hanging out there that hasn't worked out yet. I know things, all things will work together for good for those who love the Lord who are called according to this person. That doesn't mean they'll work out. We don't know how life's going to turn out. But the heroes of our faith, of the people that we find in the Old and the New Testament, they decided to trust God and act on their faith, not their doubts, because it was most beneficial for everybody else. They went all in to God. And I would say to some of you, and this is the challenge for today for some of you, it is time for you to go all in, to get over some of your fears, to say, I'm going to act on my faith, not my doubts. All of them. Fourth, doubt your doubts, not your faith. We do not cast our faith away simply because we're in a dark valley. Hear that. Some of us are in a dark valley for a long, long time. It could be named sickness or depression or grief or, or loss or difficulty with a job. But you don't cast your faith away just because we have doubts, just because we're in the middle of it, just because we're in the thick of it. There's this scripture that most of you that are Christian know. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear not with, I, I fear no evil for thou art with me. God doesn't take us to some sort of crap storm in our life and say, pow, good luck with that. You're on your own. I hope you make it through. He doesn't look at us and say, well, things will probably work out. He says, I'll walk through you. I'll walk through through it with you. I'm not going to back up from it. This, this crisis in your life, it doesn't scare me a little bit. Keep walking. Keep walking. Keep walking. I'm walking with you. You will be sorely tempted in your difficulties. You will be sorely tempted to give in to your doubts. You will be sorely tempted to want to say, I'm just going to walk away, but understand I am with you. Yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow, you cannot fear, for I am with you. Theodore Culver wrote it this way, every step towards Christ kills a doubt. 
Anybody need some doubt killed in here? Just me? Every step forward in faith is a way to doubt your doubts. We've got to doubt our doubts. You know, the quick commercial is that Marion Methodist has a lot of opportunities, a lot of choices, a lot of Bible studies. Simon mentioned a few at the beginning. There's a lot more. There's a lot of small groups here. There's a lot of lovely people here that will help you doubt your doubts. I, I know that this is a thing for us, you know, because I write those newsletter articles every couple of weeks in the Marian Methodist, and I'm not really sure that any of you read them. But Friday and Saturday, I was made very clear that some of you read them because I have 15 different emails, text messages, or personal messages, 15 different human beings that said, I'm not fine. I'm one of those people that say I'm fine and I'm not fine. And I figure if 15 of you said it, Probably there's a lot more. I know we're not fine, but we need to find a way to doubt our doubts, not our faith. And here you are not alone. You're with a wonderful bunch of believers that also are real and living in this world that are struggling with this, that, and the other thing. You're not alone here, and so I'm glad you're here. And last, and then we'll take it to a very special presentation at the end of worship. Continually go back to what you know to be true. Continually go back to what you know to be true. I was great in math growing up until eighth grade. And when I got into ninth grade, they threw this thing called algebra at me. I didn't know that math had letters in it. Math was like, you know, ten numbers, and you could work that out pretty well. I could make them do about anything. But then they started putting these letters in. And I struggled so much in, in freshman math. I know part of it was because Carol Anderson sat there and Diane Dollinger sat there in front of me. I know that was part of it and that football practice was the next thing to happen. So I know that was part of it, but I couldn't get math because of these stupid letters, these X's and Y's and all this nonsense that they kept putting in there. And so when I, when I would trouble, be troubled with math, Mrs. Rowan, our freshman teacher, would always say this. If you don't know where you're going, go back to the place where you know something's true. Go back to what you know to be true. So I'd always go back to 2 times 3, and then I'd have to figure out the X thing, okay? But that's what I knew. I knew what 2 times 3 was, and then we're just figuring out the rest. When we're troubled, the reason I tell you that, when we're troubled, when we are struggling with wanting to give up or be tempted by something, we need to get to our solid ground, whatever it is in our faith. We need to get back to there. Sometimes we have to go a long ways back. And from there, we can scrutinize. From there, we can test. From there, we can resource. And from there, we can start moving towards a verdict of what we believe to be fully true. And the deeper in your faith walk you get, the deeper in testing and examining that which you believe, the more likely you are to believe, listen to this, a smaller and smaller number of things to be completely true and verifiable. Don't mistake what I'm saying, because I think those things get much larger. There just becomes a smaller list of them. The more you examine your faith, the older we get in our faith, whether we're 20 years old or 200 right now, it is more likely you will believe a smaller number of things. I believe less things more deeply today than I believed in my 20s. I, I believe more thing, less things, but more deeply than I did in our 20s. But what I know, I know, because I have tested it and verified it. 
I know for a fact that God is good and there's evidence all around me. I know that Jesus Christ is Lord and he came as God on this earth to save us from our sins and I've verified that. I believe that the Bible, Old and New Testament from, from Re- Genesis to Revelation is true. I believe that my family loves me in unbreakable and believable ways. I believe that life is short and therefore joy and meaningful activities should fill our days. I believe that the church is the best arena for making the kingdom of God come here on earth, even though we're filled with people that are faulted and failing like me and you. I believe that every single day is a gift. I believe that people matter more than anything. I believe that this world is not my home. I am in a transitory state just passing by, and I believe that even hard times are meant for my benefit. Even the difficult things, even the horrible things. And I believe that faith is not the absence of doubt. It is the means to overcome it. I believe that faith is not the absence of doubt. It is the means to overcome it. And so at the core of my faith is an unshakable belief in God, that he's God and I'm not, and he doesn't need me to be God. He's Lord over the details of all, of my, all the details of my life and all the details of your life. And even when my life is on an emotional roller coaster that I can't seem to think of, figure out where it's going, even when doubt creeps all around the edges of my profound beliefs and all my souls, I can say with deepest conviction that I will trust in the Lord with all of my heart. I will lean not on my own understanding. In all my ways, I submit to Him, and He is making my path straight. I'm not saying it's easy. And I'm not saying it's not an emotional roller coaster because at times it is. But I'm working to step through my doubts and I'm working to step through my my, my troubles that come between me and God. And I'm working to step into that relationship that grows and I'm working to work, work on my beliefs, not my doubts, so that I might be closer to God tomorrow than I am today. And if I've done a bad job in the last 15 years inviting you on that journey, I apologize because I invite you right now to come along with me. Let's pray. God, every single day is a gift from you. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You love us even when we're disobedient. You love us when we doubt. You love us when we're troubled. And every single day you wave toward us and say, come on. Come on, my son. Come on, my daughter. Come closer to me. I love you. I'm not afraid of your questions. I'm not afraid of your doubts. But come to me. Let's let's work them out together. Lord, like the man so many days ago who met with Jesus, we cry out, Lord, help my unbelief. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.